Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You are listening to the Intentionally Inspirational Podcast. This podcast was created for entrepreneurs who are seeking motivation, digital marketing tips, personal development resources, and a nice dose of comic relief. Now for your host, Jason Wright. What is going on, my friends out there in listener land? Jason Wright here bringing you episode number 150 of the Intentionally Inspirational Podcast. 150. It's taken us a little over two years to get to this point. My, 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 it goes by fast. Before we jump into the podcast today, I want to tell you that I'm working on a number of secret projects, but one of them, which I will tell you a little bit about now, is my first event in the Indianapolis area later this year. I'm not going to tell you the name or the website or anything yet, but very soon I will, but it is by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs, and it's that type of event done my way, and I think it'll be great and help people, and I think it's something that will uh, we can build upon year over year, so... Excited about that, more to come for sure. And you know, kind of on those lines, and you'll kind of hear some of this from our guests today as well, but if you have ideas, you just have to go for it. Like, what's the worst that can happen? You know, anytime you do something or you accomplish something and you look back and see where you came from, it always starts with an idea. It always starts with a vision. And at some point, you have to step into that idea and actually do something about it or that vision to make it happen. It can't happen if you don't take the first step. So I challenge you, if you're listening and you have an idea, I don't care how crazy it is, actually the crazier the better, go for it. So worse it can happen. Anyway, let's uh, let's listen to the guest that I have on uh, the show with me today. So I spoke to Jacob Badsgard from Disruptive Advertising, um, very successful guy, great conversation, um, had a good time with it. And I know you guys will enjoy this as well. Let's check that out now. What is happening, everybody? Jason right here with another great guest on the show this week. I've got Jacob Badsgard with me, and he is the founder and CEO of Disruptive Advertising, a very cool company. So Jacob is a PPC ad expert, an entrepreneur, an author, a speaker, and a regular contributor to some publications you may have heard of, like Entrepreneur, Forbes, and Search Engine Land. Jake, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, Jason. No problem at all. So I did a little bit of research on you, as I always do before we spoke, and uh, love the company, love what you've done, love the beginnings in the basement. Tell us how all this began for you. Well, Jason, one thing that you should know is that the desk from the basement is still in our office here today. I love it. And uh, no one wants to use it because it's kind of an old piece of junk, to be honest. And, uh, but I have a hard time letting that one go as a digital marketer. Uh, we've all worked out of our basement at some point, right? That's, that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the dream, at least of everybody thinks that they like about digital marketing until they realize it's lonely. And sometimes you like to interact with people too. Um, I actually worked remotely a lot uh, earlier on in my career, at least a couple of days a week, uh, even got to the point where I was full time remote. And so that, that was not only where I was working professionally, but that's kind of where the idea incubated and got going. And, you know, my experience was I was doing analytics consulting uh, for Omniture, later bought by Adobe, for Fortune 500 companies that were looking to be able to 
track how successful their marketing was or was not. Uh, I helped them connect the dots from eyeballs on a digital ad through to revenue for their business and then help them make smart decisions. Uh, what I saw was that, man, if, if the biggest companies in the world really don't know how to do this, the small and medium-sized company surely aren't going to either. And uh, so kind of my first side gig uh, that, I, that I was doing before formally starting Disruptive was actually with my former employer from college. And they had a uh, tech support company, remote tech support for email or virus removal or whatever. And uh, that, so I reached out and said, hey, this is kind of the skill set I've developed. You should let me help you out. And he said, great, let's do it. And, you know, we, we got started there. They were about a 25-person shop uh, at the time. Uh, we connected the dots between their AdWords, Google AdWords campaigns, which is where all of their leads were coming from, connected that with their CRM. Uh, to understand what was actually turning into sales, uncovered all sorts of stuff and uh, ended up helping them grow from 25 to 350 employees, from going to a couple hundred leads a day for their sales force to up to 3,000 leads per day. And all of it was using Google AdWords and uh, being able to identify what's driving sales, what's not, and let's give them more of what's working and let's see how far we can take this. And man, that was fun. I mean, not only did it make a big impact, for the company, created a lot of jobs. Obviously, I've still got a great relationship with, with the owner of that business today. It, I loved it. And that's where I kind of got addicted to good data can really empower you to be successful with digital marketing. And PPC was fantastic because I could make changes on the fly and see the results rather than needing to make changes and see what happens in the next few months. Awesome. Very, everything about what you just said is awesome. You know what's what's crazy um, there's still companies, and I'm sure you talked to them, there's still companies that still embrace traditional advertising only, and they're not quote unquote sold on this digital thing. Isn't that, isn't that just blow your mind? It sure does. And that's, you know, there certainly still is a place for traditional advertising and you and I both understand that. Uh, the, the challenging part is man, to, to throw dollars into something that you really have no idea how it's producing for you is, is just not something I'd be willing to do anymore. Mm -mm. And I once spoke to somebody actually this year who uh, was sold on direct mail was the, the only advertising in the world and there was nothing else out there. We were going to do Facebook ads together and uh, right before we got rolling, we built a funnel and did everything on the back end with the emails and the marketing automation. We're ready to go live with the ads and uh, business owner kind of freaked out and defaulted back to, well, I've always done uh, direct mail, and that's what I'm going to stick with, even though I don't really know if it works or if the phone rings, if it really comes from there, which it just kind of blows my mind, you know? Yep. Yep. There's definitely a scarcity mindset that exists with a lot of uh, marketers, business owners, executives, where, hey, you know, if it's not broken, let's not fix it. The reality is it is slowly breaking, and the results that they used to see are definitely not what they once were. And so they're going to have to adapt or die at some point. Absolutely. I, I think it kind of goes to, you know, what Gary Vee talks about where people's attention is at. And it's on, it's definitely on electronic devices of some kind for sure. So. Yep. Absolutely. Well, very, very cool. Um, I love that. So when you were getting going with that business, at what point were you like, man, this is, this is gonna be a full-time gig. Like this is gonna, this is gonna take off. Cause if I'm doing it with one company, how many other companies can I help? Did you have, do you remember that moment? Do you, did you have that kind of experience? You know, there was a couple of moments that come to mind for me. The, um, the moment that I knew I was going to need to uh, start my own business was I was actually in an annual review 
at my job. And I remember him sitting me down and I was in a group of about 250 peers. And from, from the number standpoint, was, was a clear leader in performance in terms of the things that were tracked, uh, billable time uh, as a consultant, those things, and client satisfaction, et cetera, et cetera. I remember him sitting me down and saying, hey, Jacob, great year. You did so many fantastic things. Clearly, you're, you're, you're the top performer, et cetera, et cetera. And, and then proceeded to uh, very excitedly extend a 9% raise for that year. And, and I don't want to sound ungrateful because for the bucket that he was given, I was in a large uh, public company, right? Mm-hmm. For the bucket that he was given, he was really doing his best to help me out. And I remember sitting there and thinking, wow, looking, looking at the, not just emotion, you know, emotionally what I thought I contributed to the organization. I knew financially what I had contributed to the organization and it wasn't just a little better than my peers. It was a lot better. Mm-hmm. And, and I, look, I looked at that and I thought, man, if I perform at X, I'm going to get compensated at Y. And if I perform at 10X, I'm going to get paid like 1.1Y. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I realized, man, this is just not encouraging me to be my best self. It's, it's kind of a little demotivating. I saw that all of my peers were just settling into mediocrity. Um, not all of them, but a lot of them. And I just thought, I don't want that. And that's when I kind of realized I needed something different. That's when I started doing some, some things on the side, getting some things going, some irons in the fire, so to speak. And the moment when I realized it was, I was ready to make that plunge was for a couple of reasons. One, I actually had a, before doing some of these consulting things, I actually had a small uh, software wholesaling business that I did for a very short period of time that actually was quite lucrative and did very well. And so I was able to get my, myself and my family into a good financial position of, of no debt, a lot of money in the bank, and really ne- didn't require much cash flow on a monthly basis to get by. So that was a big blessing and uh, just, just a great opportunity. The second thing, and that came and went pretty quickly, uh, and, and fortunately I benefited from that. The second thing that happened is I had kind of built up a book of business, and I actually had a, a professional a friend of mine it kind of pushed me to, hey, you should, you should do this as a business. And hey, I should be your business partner. And, um, and that's what kind of helped push me over the edge. I realized very quickly in working with that individual that it was not the right fit for us to be business partners. But he, he did kind of help push me over the edge and uh, to get things going, which was in September of 2013 when I got things going. Yeah, you've had a pretty uh, steep climb upward since then. You've uh, done great, and uh, like I said, but even before the show, congrats on that. That's that's a good. That's a very impressive. Good job, man. Yeah, it's it's a little bit like holding a tiger by the tail at times. <laughs> well, let me ask you. I'm just curious. So, once you started the business, I'm sure in your mind you had some vision of what success might look like for you. How is that actual experience compared to that? So, has it happened quicker than you thought, or how's that played out? You know, it's. It's funny when you ask that, I actually have uh, two contradicting thoughts. It's actually gone way better than I ever actually thought it would. And it's taken a lot longer than I would have wanted it to as well, which is kind of funny, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just remember thinking, man, if I could ever get to the point where we were doing a couple million a year in, in revenue, I'd, I'd have it set. This would be like the best business ever. It would be fantastic. Um, I remember thinking, man, if we could ever get to 10 million, very few business ever get to 10 million in annual revenue, then I'd be set. That'd be great. Um, and, and those milestones have all come and long gone. 
uh, for us as a company. And it's funny, it always feels like it's not happening fast enough and that I'm always under the gun or the pressure to make things happen. Yet I look backwards and I thought, I don't, I didn't ever really think I'd it'd even go this well. And so it's kind of an interesting contradiction. Beautiful. I love it. It's, isn't that funny how sometimes you'll think, man, that just, this isn't happening quick enough. And all it takes is a little rearward perspective and you go, oh yeah, that's where I came from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you probably hear this question quite a bit, and this is a very broad question to run with it any way that you want to. Facebook versus Google. Do you like one better than the other as far as an ad platform or does it depend or what are your thoughts on that? You know, the answer is for all businesses that I've interacted with, you should be able to have some degree of success on both platforms. And so I don't know that it's necessarily necessarily an either or. Okay. I think that it's it depends on the on the circumstances and how how you get in front of your audience, right? What has their attention? And if you've got a product or a service that people aren't even aware of, well, guess what? No one's going to Google to search for that. Correct. Yep. And uh, so if that's the case, then you you might have to use Facebook as the best way to get in front of them. Or a lot of people forget that Google is also YouTube. Google is also the display network um, where you can get in front of these audiences. But you know, when we think of traditional paid search as as being the the Google advertising channel. It may or may not be the right fit for you. Now, in a in a industry or in a market where there is a lot of search volume, Google paid search is oftentimes the best place to start because that's where you can figure out what keywords turn into revenue, what messaging works and resonates. I can then take that and incorporate it into my SEO and Facebook strategy because I've been able to kind of get in front of the people that are already looking to buy. And now I can start moving up the funnel and understanding what it is they're thinking, how they're describing these things, et cetera. I really think that you should be using both. And generally speaking, in a lead generation business model, assuming that there's some demand on search, which there is for most industries, I would start with Google paid search and I would have a strong retargeting and email campaign set up. And the retargeting should span both the Google and the Facebook network. I think it would be your best place to start. If you're e-commerce, and there's demand on Google, the shopping campaigns is probably where you're going to get the best bang for your buck. But there are certain types of products that we see fly off the shelves much better on Facebook than we do on Google. So it really does depend. Okay. Very nice. And I, man, I just had a question and it, it's escaped me. And if I know myself, it'll come back around at a confusing time. So <laughs> we'll see where that ends up. But was there ever a moment in the climb kind of, you, you've taken that step full time, but did you ever have a moment where you thought, oh man, this, this may not work out. Maybe this wasn't the right time or any, any kind of doubt like that that was serious at all? Uh, I would say at least on a weekly, if not a daily basis for the first, <laughs> for the first two years. Yeah. Um, I would say on a monthly basis, the third year. Mm -hmm. And, and then I would say now it's definitely worth it. Um, so I'm I'm all in, and I'm not even I'm not growing this to sell it. I I, I truly enjoy the process of uh, building a business, the relationships here and with our clients, and plan on doing this, you know, long term forever. You know, this is I, this is what I love to do. So I'm all in. But all the time, man, I remember thinking, you know what? Worst case scenario, I can always just pull back and and have a few consulting gigs, and we'll be fine. So my worst case scenario was never too bad. But I, I'll tell you what, I felt like uh, throwing in the towel and just going back to my basement mm -hmm. yeah, hundreds of times. Yep. 
I know, I know exactly where you're at with that. I, uh, quit corporate America twice and, uh, most recent times about three months ago and I do digital marketing automation. So Facebook ads, click funnels and active campaign is where I spend most of my time. But there's some days where you're going to bed like, oh yeah, this is, this is, you know, right where I want to be. And then there's some days you're like, oh boy, what's tomorrow going to look like, you know? So it's definitely part of the process, I think. Um, one thing you said I'll agree with you on is everything takes a bit longer than you want it to. Uh, so patience is a is a huge virtue with this stuff. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. You know, one of the phrases that's always stuck with me is a, is a mentor of mine told me, Jacob, everything's going to take three times as long as you thought it would, at least. And you're going to make a third as much as you thought you would. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty, it's pretty damn accurate. Yep. I think that's great advice. Absolutely. Well, I'm sure you see this every day. Really curious to hear your perspective. Where do most businesses get digital ads wrong? So I'm sure you see a lot that try to do it themselves or they think they've got the right idea. What do you see that's kind of the biggest uh, error that people make with that? Well, I think, you know, there's some specific things depending on the platform that we're discussing. But I would say generally speaking, what I find that most businesses are uh, failing at, we've actually we've actually developed a technology, a software tool that we can audit uh, a Google AdWords account, and it takes about 30 seconds, push a button, it looks at hundreds if not thousands of data points, comes back and tells us, hey, here's what's working, here's what's not in the account. Um, in that, we've actually been able to measure that on average, 76% of their budgets are completely wasted. Wow. And and I'm going to say there's there's two reasons why. The first one is generic targeting with generic ad copy pointed to a homepage type scenario mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, great. I don't know how you ever expected this to work, but clearly it's not. You need specific targeting with specific ad copy and a specific page or landing page on your site that addresses that audience. Um, the second part is that I see people spreading their budgets way too thin. And in Facebook, in Google, you, you establish your budgets and I, what I see happening is that people's budgets inevitably tap out, right? Because no one's operating on an infinite budget. And what happens is that all of the good and all the bad campaigns turn off at the exact same time mm-hmm. because they've spread their budget across all of them. So what I've found is, generally speaking, what can be done is, hey, you're wasting 76%. Of the 24% that is working, here's the areas where it's working best. Let's maximize market share in these opportunities before we even worry about spending money anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes you can reallocate the entire budget and all of a sudden the output goes through the roof because of that. So again, specific targeting, specific cop- ad copy, specific experience on the website, and then combine that with focusing your budget and keeping it simple rather than trying to do too much at once. And you, you do those two things and you're going to be really far ahead of the competition. So here's a question that, that I get a lot. I'm sure you get it as well. So with Google and Facebook both, uh, I think you can even start as low as like a dollar a day. W- where should people start for a daily ad spend to have any chance of, of doing something worthwhile with their ad? Or is there a minimum that even exists for that? I mean, if you're spending a dollar a day, your business model probably isn't where it needs to be to, to even be worrying about advertising yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what I would say is it just depends, right? If, if I'm an e-commerce business selling products online, if I, then that's one thing. If I'm a lead generation business, I, I'm a big fan of just that hustle 
leveraging your network, leveraging who you know to kind of get the business going is I think generally the best place to start. And it requires getting out of your comfort zone, but I think that's the way to do it. Um, once you've kind of got that underway, I think that running ads on Google or Facebook is is a great way to take something that's working and to grow and scale it and um, and, and doing it from there. I mean, for us specifically, we typically don't do engagements very often that are under $10,000 a month, um, unless they're in specific industries like in the healthcare or home services space that we're already very, very proficient in so we can make it work on budgets even Five hundred to a thousand dollars a month because we just know what we're going to get. Gotcha. Um, but I would say, generally speaking, you know, until you've got, I, you know, I'd probably say as a minimum, if you're a DIY person, probably five hundred bucks a month. Okay. Gotcha. That's good. And then you've given just a ton of great tips to this point. Um, I, I'm curious, could you get give us three tips on maybe somebody with. Um, less than 500 bucks a month for a budget. So small business, maybe it's a one-man show. What tips could, could you give them for maybe running better ads or even positioning themselves to run ads, something, something in that area? Yeah. So uh, the first thing that I would do is I would make sure that, that uh, my Google My Business is set up correctly and, and optimized for the keywords that you want to, to rank for, right? So whether you're a local or even a national business, just make sure that that's set up because it's free. It's going to help you out. Um, the next thing that I would do is I would actually focus on getting a few good reviews that you can that you can actually leverage um, when you run your ads, and so that you can have some what I would refer to as social proof around that. So make sure that you've got that account set up. Make sure that you've got some reviews. And then make sure that you've got some good places to point traffic to. You don't need to invest a ton of money in building a feature-rich uh, website. You can, you can do something simple on WordPress. You can do something on, uh, on other free platforms. Or you can use uh, landing page tools like Unbounce uh, and, and get those whipped up pretty quickly in more of a WYSIWYG drag-and-drop fashion and, and customize those the way you need them. But I would get those things in place. And, and then when you actually start putting dollars into advertising, you're going to be a lot more successful. Don't do it in the other order where you start spending and then try and figure those things out. I'd get a few of those ducks in a row and then start putting some money in the ads. Jacob, I think that's great advice. I see it. Most people do it, like you said, the backwards way. You know, they want to spend money, but there's no infrastructure, any, any of that stuff thought about or, you know, or existing either way. So you're absolutely correct. Well, it's because spending money is easy. It is. I just, I just, I just, I just put money in and I hope it produces something. It's, it's silly when you think about it to think that, oh, my business is going to work because I'm just going to put money into an ad platform and my business is going to magically work. But, but unfortunately, a lot of people start there. <laughs> they do. And I, I can't tell you the amount of people I've spoken to that said, I've got X amount for advertising and it has to work this month because if it doesn't, I'm out of money and I'm out of business. I'm like, oh God, why, why would you put yourself in that situation? But yeah. A lot of people do. That's why most small businesses fail in two years, you know? Yep. So you've grown this business. Things are going well. What's next for you? Any projects, um, any other softwares, anything else on the horizon you'd like to talk about? Well, there's a couple things. Um, I, I'm, I'm part of the Entrepreneurs Organization, a great international organization for entrepreneurs. And uh, we go on a retreat once a year, and, and, and I came back, and I've got kind of a vision board of a lot of things that I'd like to accomplish in life. Uh, one of them that I'll share is I've got a lot of fish 
that I want to catch in my lifetime. And, and one of them that I'll be going for a little later this year is for a marlin out of uh, Costa Rica. So uh, wish me luck on that. As it relates to the business, we're actually doubling down on the software side right now, um, where we've actually really enhanced our, our, our features and developing a lot more automation and uh, things that help us be more successful uh, with our clients. And so that's where we've been doubling down uh, so that we can position ourselves for the next stage of growth. We've realized that what's got us here is not going to get us to the next level. And so those are the things that we're working on right now. Absolutely. You really perked up my ears when you talked about fishing. Uh, do you like to do anything freshwater? You know, I sure do. I just caught 30 trout on Saturday. What kind of trout? Mostly rainbows and a, and a few cutthroats. Very nice. Fly tackle or spinning tackle or what'd you use? With my kids and my boat and power bait. There you go. Good old power <laughs> bait. Power bait's been working for a long time. It has. Personally, I love to fly fish if it's just me, but I've got three little girls now that like to come with me, so I I use more baits in that situation. Very nice. It's kind of interesting. I'm 36 now, and when I was, I don't know, 13 or 14, by that point in life, I had been all over the Boundary Waters and all over Michigan and Wisconsin and uh, Minnesota catching northern and musky and walleye, just having a blast I haven't done any of that in years, and I really want to get back to it this year. So I would love to catch a marlin as well. That's a strong fish. I wish you the best of luck on that. It sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I'm, I need to come your way. I, I want to catch a, a tiger muskie. There you go. I have – I'm trying to think if I've ever seen one or not. I don't know that I've seen one in real life, but I've definitely caught northern and, and uh, muskie as well. But all those toothy critters are strong and a lot of fun. <laughs> Well, very cool. If somebody listening is inspired by your store or love to learn more about your business, what's the best way for them to contact you, Jacob? Yeah, you bet. I mean, disruptive advertising, we exist to help organizations where they lack the bandwidth or expertise to execute in some of these marketing areas like Google AdWords, Facebook ads, or testing the website experience to remove friction points so people actually convert and buy. Uh, the best way to get a hold of us is, like I said, we've got a software tool that will do a free audit or consultation. Just go to disruptiveadvertising.com, and we would love to chat. The great thing is, like I mentioned, a lot of these things are produced by our software. We can walk you through that, and you can either use that as a guide and a map to go and get it done yourself, or if you want some of our support in executing on that, we'd be glad to do that as well. Awesome, Jacob. Well, I appreciate your time. Love the story and love what you're doing. Hey, thanks for having me, Jason. All right, we are back to the show. If you guys enjoyed that and want to learn more about Jacob and his company, you can go to intentionallyinspirational.com forward slash episode 150. And Jacob, appreciate your time, my friend, and your insights. Um, it was very informative and enjoyable for me. So like I said at the beginning of the show, guys, push yourself. You know, we've got half the year is over. I don't know how. It goes by fast. But half the year is over, and that's not a bad thing. You got six months to make some magic happen and end the year with a bang. Think of that big idea. For me, it's an event I've been playing with in my mind for a year. I don't know the first thing about playing an event, but we'll figure it out on the way. Go for it. Go for something big. Take a chance. See what happens. That next chance you take may change your life. You have no idea. Thank you for listening as always. Appreciate it. Um, tune in for us next week, and we'll have another guest and more information about the event. Talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to Intentionally Inspirational. You can keep up with all of our new episodes on CastBox, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. 
We look forward to having you join us again next week for another great episode.